welcome back to Beer Books, the podcast hosted by April Berry and yours truly, Daisy Ray. We are all about appreciating indie authors. We have interviews and reviews, writing and reading flash fiction stories, and best of all, getting authors noticed by their readers. How have you been this week? Not too bad, actually. I've had some time off work, so I haven't had to walk up to the attic as often, because that's where <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm working. <laughs> no commuting this week, then? No, no commuting up to the attic this week. <laughs> How have you been? Now, it's been a bit of a weird one, to be honest. It was a bit of a time for contemplation. I've got um, a friend whose wife's in hospital. It's not COVID-related, by the way, it's, but it's been a bit strange. It's been a bit bizarre. And then I have really struggled with this flash fiction. Like it's it's kind of really Why do you think weird. you're struggling with it? I don't know. I mean I'm I've always sort of said that I'm not the creative one. Mm. Um and that you're the creative one, so sort of arts and and words and imagination and that kind of thing. And I'm very logical and black and well, I'm not black and white, but I've got a few grey edges, but I thought your cray was all in your hair. Well it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the grey edge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, but sometimes if you weird. have to work a little bit harder at something, don't you feel like you've really accomplished something when you get to the end of it? Yeah, I suppose I do. And and I think that that's what most authors think. You know, they, everybody, I suppose, at one point or another uh, suffers from writer's block, can't get anything on the paper. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah, I think we'll listen to yours first this week then, because I'm actually looking forward to hearing it because you've taken extra time than you would normally take to write it. So I'm interested to see how that process has worked when you've not just gone lastminute.com and thrown it out there, when it's actually taken you time okay. and how that works. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, right, here goes then. Why do I always blush at the slightest thing? If it's anything out of the ordinary, regardless of what it is, I end up with a bright red face, feeling embarrassed, shy and shuffling from foot to foot, wishing the ground would open and swallow me. This has been going on for years, resulting in me missing out on so much that life has to offer. I became embarrassed by my embarrassment. Chatting with Julie about my predicament over a beer one spring afternoon, she suggested hypnotherapy. What? I exclaimed. How will that help? I would be so embarrassed if anyone found out. No, you wouldn't, Julie retorted. I've done my research and hypnotherapy can help with all manner of things, including blushing at everything. You're the only person I know who blushes at people holding hands. After internet researching for most of the evening, I had contact details of a couple of hypnotists, both with glowing references. Oh well, here goes, I thought the next morning, stood in the middle of the kitchen with mobile in hand. Eventually, after calls with both hypnotists, who both sounded like they'd never been embarrassed in their life before... I made an appointment. The longest two days of my life spent yo-yoing, I can do this, I can't do that. The visit went well, as did the subsequent five, though to be honest I didn't feel any different apart from my bank balance, blimey they're not cheap. On reflection looking back, I had a fantastic summer. Julie and I went on holiday to Italy and I never noticed that I wasn't blushing. I danced with strange guys in Milan, talked to the geeky guy on the train ride from Milan to Rome chatted with a lovely married couple on the flight home. I went with a group of friends to a few music festivals, realising how much I had been missing out on life through always blushing. I plucked up the courage to talk to strangers at the pub, in the cinema queue. All things 12 months ago would have turned me bright red and into a complete nervous wreck. 
When I visited my parents, they both commented on how much more confidence I had these days and that they always knew I would grow out of my habit of blushing. I didn't have the heart, nor the courage, to admit that I had been to an hypnotist, knowing that my parents didn't really believe in that kind of thing. Returning to school after the summer holidays, I need to add I'm a teacher, not a student. I couldn't believe the fantastic summer I had just had, and was admitting as much to Julie one evening after the first week of school. I also felt a lot more confident at school. Oh, I knew previously that it hadn't taken students long to realise I blushed at the slightest little thing, and they took full advantage of it. Julie had a very strange look on her face. What's up? I inquired. She took a deep breath and very quietly said, What's up? Don't you remember half of what you did this summer? What do you mean? I asked. I was concerned that something was matter with Julie as she continued in a quiet voice. Do you really think your behaviour this summer has been normal? You accosted a guy in a nightclub in Milan and kissed him right in front of his girlfriend. You put your bra and shorts in a guy's rucksack on the train to Rome and wondered why he complained. You slept in some poor guy's sleeping bag at one of the festivals and complained when he wouldn't join you. You gatecrashed a porn studio in Rome and asked to be in the film. Not to mention all the other embarrassing things you've done in the last seven weeks. And do you know, whenever I said anything to you, all you could say to me, why is you embarrassed? It's normal. Absolutely nothing you have done this summer has been normal. Where's the telephone number of that hypnotist you went to? that one that is so funny so funny i don't know why you think it's not your forte that was blinding (laughs) thank you very much putting your bra in somebody's rucksack love it i need to go to a hypnotherapist (laughs) i enjoyed that that was such a good story well it did take you an extra five days but let me just say it was worth every single bit of it I loved the opening. I thought, oh, this is going to be quite amusing. And then it just got better and better. And the second half was even better than the first half. Thank you very much. Are you still laughing now? I know. It was good. I'm so glad I've made you chuckle. And no bad relationship stuff in there. I just thought, let's let's go down the bit of a light-hearted, let's see what I can do with this. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you look at don't be embarrassed, it's normal. What is normal? Who knows? Who knows know. anymore? That's the thing. No, that's the thing. So Nobody's been outside the front door in a year. Nobody well, knows no. what normal is anymore. You're normal sat in your living room doing absolutely <laughs> nothing and watching crap reruns on telly. Yeah, there's nothing to make anybody blush these days because you're never outside the lounge. No, you're not. I just kind of tried to think of something that was a little bit sort of light-hearted and, to be honest, was a bit normal. And I know none of that's normal because I kind of really don't know anybody that's going to gate crash a, a porn studio in Rome and want to be in the film. But, you know, you never know, do you? Like you say, we haven't had anything that's normal. And I was trying to churn my imagination into some of the crazy things that people do in life that they think is absolutely normal. And she's a teacher. I love that. Yeah. That's such a good touch. She does all those outrageous things. And this this is the face of... Moulding our young ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just made it even better. I, I like the characters. I like what they do. I like how funny it is. I think you've got a bit of a funny bone. Thank you. Who knew you grouchy old bugger? <laughs> I hide it well. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. It's normal. Yeah. Mm. If I told anybody that you were amusing, they go, No. What do you mean, no? No. 
everybody buys you. Which dwarf is it that everyone buys you stuff for? Grumpy. Yep. For a reason. Because I'm grumpy. Because you're grumpy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been hiding this funny bone all along. Yeah, I, I quite like my character. And I didn't want to give my character a name either. That's why I wanted to write it in the first person, because I didn't think it would work as well with my character having a name. It's a little bit unusual to write in the first person. It doesn't happen that often. No. Most stuff is in third person. We had a conversation before this podcast started, just so everyone is aware, where April was saying to me, not really into this writing business. It's not really my thing. I don't think I'm particularly good at it. And then she comes in and she slays it with this (laughs) dead amusing piece of writing. And I think she was just setting me up so that I'd love it. (laughs) Well, maybe we should get you to a hypnotist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Can you imagine? It would be brilliant. I'm on that road trip. With the camera in hand all the time. I'm still giggling over it now. Good. I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. Well, I'll try something different. Don't kill anybody. I read it to a friend mm. and the first instinct was I did think, is she gonna get killed or run over or knocked down on her way home? <laughs> people are so used to me killing people off in my stories. Well yeah, they are, but it makes it for an interesting story. Because you have got a little bit of a macabre sort of turn of mind. Yeah. So, you know, if you're not killing somebody off, I'm kind of getting a bit worried. <laughs> it's even got chapters, this. I've, I've had to put chapters in a, in a flash fiction, which is like, and I've only just done it under the thousand words as well. It was quite a long one for me. Okay. Well, I'm waiting with bated breath. So. Okie dokie. called Puppy Love. Chapter One. Pretending she was a Jedi this morning walking through that automatic sliding door chatting about a day with you, her favourite dog in all the world, who just happens to look like an Ewok, was enough to make my heart skip a beat. It was the most normal thing in the world for you two, but if you'd looked around you at the other humans using that same door, you'd have seen a mixture of judgy ones nudging one another and nodding in your direction as they sniggered. The blatant laugh-out-louders who definitely do the same thing and just get it and happy to see kindred spirits living their best lives. There may even have been one or two that just quietly sighed inside, shaking their heads in despair at you. Not me. I totally get it. Don't be embarrassed. It's normal to me. They may choose to believe that little Ruby doesn't understand language, that she's just a dog. And that blank look they see is just her waiting for a next treat or a favourite tummy tickle. But what do they know, right? This is your human. What's she supposed to do? Just ignore you when you ask her a question. I've been watching you both for days now. I've seen the conversations you two have and I really want to be a part of your world. So I'm going to accidentally bump into you again on the park later. I just need to stick to my plan. I'm going to walk past you when you walk in the gate, close enough for you not to miss me like I do every day lately. When you stop to sniff at your favourite bench and your human has a sit down, I'm going to be casually laying down nearby, showing you my tummy, so you know I'm all yours and I think you're so cute, all fur and sass. You growled at me the first couple of days, but yesterday I swear you looked for me before you got there. I'm going to try a playful nip at you today and see if you like to play chase. I love to play chase. I chase balls or sticks or ducks off the pond. I'm really good at it. 
I want to show you how fast I am today. I'm here. I'm ready. Are you coming? Are you nearly here? I'm waiting for you. I can see the ducks and I'm leaving them alone in case you want to chase them with me today. Come on, Ruby. And your human. I want her to like me too. Ooh, I can see you. There you are. All jaunty, your little nose up in the air, your tail bouncing from side to side. So, so cute. Your ears pick up and I think you've seen me. I pant a little faster and try my hardest to wait for you to catch me up. I can't go running to you yet. That's just not cool, is it? So I'm patiently waiting for you to get to your favourite bench. Then I'll saunter out from behind this tree to lay down and show you my tummy. It's time. You're at the bench. You're here. You're sat looking up at your human all attentive, hanging off every word she says. She must be so very special. I like her too. If you do, then I do. I'm hers too. She just doesn't know it yet. I make my way to your side and roll over as always. And oh, joy of joys, you come over and lay your head on my tummy. My heart wants to explode. When you sit up again, I sit too and bark at you and nip at you and bounce back a couple of steps to see if you want to come and play with me. Today is the best day ever because here you come and we both chase round and round the bench, switching directions until I'm not sure who's chasing who anymore. It's wonderful your human is laughing, shouting encouragement to let us play longer. Go get him, Ruby, and go on, little fella. She likes me. She really likes me. Chapter 2 Annabeth walked her dog Ruby through the park most days and had made a point of stopping at this one bench every day for the last week or so. She'd noticed a skittish, skinny little black dog that seemed to make a beeline for them, hovering just out of reach. Annabeth was a patient woman. She loved animals and this little fella had caught her attention as he crawled out from under the bushes in the park every day like he lived there. He never seemed to be with anyone and Annabeth was worried about him. He looked like he needed a good meal and she couldn't see sign of a collar. Today, Annabeth had a spare harness and a lead with her. She was hoping that the little fellow was still here. Yesterday, he'd come quite close and laid down submissively, showing his tummy to Ruby. He still seemed a little weary and Annabeth didn't want to scare him away before he was ready. The little fellow seemed quite taken with Ruby and today he went from submissive to playful as the two dogs played chase round around the bench she was sat on. It was a joy to watch. Annabeth put down a bowl of water for the two panting dogs, and while they had their fill of water, she quietly slipped the spare harness on the little fella and gently attached the lead. Chapter 3 Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they like me, they really like me. Look at me in a harness and on a lead. I have a family. It worked. That is really so sweet. I was getting quite choked up in the first chapter thinking, oh, poor little guy, what's <laughs> going to happen to him? Oh, that is really, really sweet. But he was a bit conniving. <laughs> <laughs> he needed a family. He did need a family, didn't he? Oh, that was, I was actually getting quite emotional at that. <laughs> yeah, it made a change not to kill anybody off. It did. No, you didn't. You made a little guy really happy. Yeah. And I named Ruby after my Ruby. Yeah. Who happens to look just like an Ewok when a fur is grown. That's true, she does. You're not wrong. <laughs> I was thinking about my daughter's dog, Charlie, when I right. was writing the other little dog, because he's like, he's still puppyish. 
Yeah. And even though he's a little bit bigger than Ruby, he is dead exuberant. And, you know, like, dogs are like, everything's great and everything's fine and I've got to go and play. And and that's how I imagine dogs think if they thought in human words. I think you did a really, really good job there of of thinking like a dog. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, it's meant to be a I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. (laughs) Of course it's a compliment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of just realised what I've just said there, actually. Way to go thinking like a dog, love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not sure we're talking anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't... That is, it is true, though. You've kind of captured the essence of a little lonely dog and the exuberance that he has when he's got a friend and he can play and, and he's then took home as part of the family. Yeah. Which is what he wanted. So he was conniving and Annabeth was worried about him. So I've written stories about my cats. Yeah. And I've tried to get inside the head. And I think you did a really good job there of getting inside that little guy's head. Yeah, I'd never get inside Ruby's head. I don't know how she thinks. She's just the world's most stubborn animal. So I had to have a different dog to get inside of. (laughs) Well, they do say that, you know, you become like your owners or do your owners become like the pets? In this case, the dog's become like its owner. Excuse me? Well, you are stubborn. Um, You are stubborn. No comment. No. But no, I really, really like that. And I like the fact that we've both gone for a little bit of humour and a little bit of of, of emotion as well. Yeah, get us all upbeat. I know, what's the matter with us this week? <laughs> I think this lockdown's getting to us, it really is. <laughs> I think you might be right, yeah. I have enjoyed it though. I enjoyed writing that, I enjoyed listening to yours as well, it was really, really good. And and I think that, yeah, we, we need a bit of fun. Yeah. Actually, to be truthful, this is my second version of this story that I've written. I started writing a different don't be embarrassed, it's normal. Okay. And I couldn't get beyond the second paragraph. I just could not write it. I was I was writing it and it just got more and more upsetting. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just taking such a black turn. What was that about? It was about a little girl that was so cripplingly shy, she was almost invisible. I couldn't I couldn't carry on with it at all. It upset me to such a point, even though it was fiction. <laughs> I had to completely change tack. And I thought, well, what cheers me up more than anything in the world? Well, that's got to be Ruby. I'm glad he did change tack because I really, really liked it. Yeah, I'm glad he did too. I'm really pleased that we've got a couple of, 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 well, you think my story's good. So we've got a couple of really good stories for this year. This year's, this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. No more for the year. Yeah, <laughs> we're done. done. <laughs> we're done. Oh, we actually, we are nearly done. <laughs> We well no, we're nearly done on season three, but we're not not nearly done for the year, so that's true. That's very true. Which is really nice and I am it is really enjoyable actually. I love these conversations. I do too. I love the podcast. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Good job really, because we do a lot of them. We do, yes, we do. <laughs> what have we got coming up next week? Right, so next week it is Indie Review Week, so we are reviewing what we are individually reading. Of course we are, aren't we? Come on then, what are you reading? I am reading a book called Ending Samsara by J.W. Voice, and it sounds by the title like it's some sort of futuristic thing, but actually 
it's about like half a dozen individuals and how significantly can you affect another person's life without ever meeting them. And it's really interesting. It's really, really good. I am hooked. This one was one sent in. I do love it when they send them in. And especially when they like this one. Like on Amazon, you get a choice. You can download a sample of a book and just have a little browse yeah. through and see if you're going to like it at all. Because we're not going to like everything. So I read the sample and then I'm straight on email, emailing the author going, you know, I've read the sample and I really like it. So it is really, really good. One of the characters is this young lad who um, grows product in his upper floors of his house that he sells to people. What type of product? Not strictly legal. <laughs> don't give too much away. No, 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 no. I don't want to tell you anything about the story. I just want to say that this one guy has in his apartment, the back of the apartment is like another door that leads out onto a fire escape that you can go up to the roof or down to yeah. the ground. And what he's done is he's built a bookcase in front of that door. So he's made it into like a little mini panic room. Okay. So you can slide the bookcase out, get behind it, slide it back again. Nobody knows you're there. And you can leave the apartment or it's put monitors inside it so you can watch what's going on in the apartment. I just thought that was really clever. Is that what you're going to be doing next? Remind me when we can not to visit. I've got to stick you behind the bookcase when I've had enough of talking to you. Well, I'm reading one of the books that we had we, that came into the uh, inbox for us to review, Return to Kieran. Now, for those of you who have read lots and lots and lots of Enid Blyton. Me, me. You, 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 yeah. This book is the adult Famous Five. So it was written by Neil and Susie Howlett. And it arrived in our, uh, like I say, arrived in our inbox. And that's what I'm reading and that's what I'm reviewing. Collaboration, I like that. Yeah. I will say, ahead of um, next week's episode, the essence of the characters has been kept from when they were Julian, Dick, George, Anne and Timmy the dog, made into adults. And it's really sort of interesting where, if you remember, Dick was a bit wimpish. I remember thinking that George should grow up to be a lesbian. Right, okay. Because she was, she was, I don't know, she just seemed to have that vibe. I'm not giving anything away, but Dick... Was one. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> I might have to have a read of that myself. I think that you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I absolutely have told so many people during my life that I was brought up by Amy Blyton. And I was just engrossed in Famous Five, Secret Seven, Mallory Towers, all of them. I just really, really enjoyed all of those books when I was little. I was had my nose buried in a book from whatever age. I remember being a, a, a kid. And it's, it's really strange what you remember. But my dad was a postman. So obviously my dad finished work about two o'clock in the afternoon. And so he was always at home when I got home from school. Yeah. And Friday was always shopping evening. Why, I don't know. Uh, I think perhaps because my dad worked six days a week, so he worked on a Saturday. So when, it, when I got home from school on a Friday, it was always in quick sandwich, bundled into the car, off to, to the, the nearest town for shopping. The nearest town to us was a town called Keithley. And there was a, a, a this road in Keithley, and it wasn't really in the centre of, of the town, but at the bottom of this road was a bookstore. And I can't remember 
what this bookstore was called. But I do remember going in there every Friday and it was open until six o'clock. So at quarter to six, and the reason why we went in at quarter to six was I could take hours to choose a book. <laughs> and I don't think but either what either of my parents were particularly happy in standing about in a bookstore for hours while I chose a book. And I remember, I think there was, was the 21 or something like that in the Famous Five series. Oh, I don't know how many there were, but there were a few. And I remember getting one a week and I'd read it avidly. And, and I was absolutely gutted when I got to the very, very final one. I, know I also was the same with The Secret Seven and then the St. Clair's and the Mallory Towers. I don't remember St. Clair's. Do you not? No. This was the highlight of my child, or one of my one of my highlights of my childhood, actually. Sounds ideal to me. It was. I can't. I mean, obviously, I can't remember when I when I learned to read, or you know, how, how old I was, or. Mm. But I just remember books being a constant part of my life since my very very first memories. I remember from I think it was infant school, maybe. We used to have to stand in a line in class and read to the teacher, take it in turns to read to the mm-hmm. teacher. And I remember we were reading books called The Red Pirates and The Blue Pirates. Okay. <laughs> Not Peter and John or whatever they were called. Janet and John. <laughs> Janet and John. Janet and John, is it Spot the Dog or whatever it was? Yeah. Well, I remember reading The Blue Pirates and The Red Pirates and standing in line to have to read to the teacher and being absolutely mortified. Because as much as I loved reading, I was really, really shy myself. And I hated being at the front and reading to the teacher with the whole class standing listening behind me. Yeah. Uh, It was like every eye in the place is on you. It would have been much kinder to let everyone read at their desks and just bring us up one at a time to read. Yeah, it would. Yeah. But it's amazing what memories reading and books bring back and and the good memories and everything. Kind of sort of we're on a bit of a reminisce here, but when you look at this, We've been in lockdown now for above 12 months and, and yeah. this podcast, you know, was was born out of lockdown. Yeah. And just think that each and every week it's given us a focus. I mean, I know we've both had work and things like that, but that's things you do every day. And there is nothing else that anybody can do at the moment apart from work, watch telly and sleep. Yeah. This time last year, we were in preparation mode. We hadn't had our first episode out just yet because I think the first one went out was at the end of June. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but we, this is when we were preparing last it year. It is, yeah. Putting everything together and making all the decisions about what we wanted to do on it. If if you think back, this has given us a focus and I'm not saying it's replaced what we would have done. But for me and you doing this podcast, we've had a focus yeah. throughout the whole of this lockdown yeah. of something else to do other than vegetate and watch the telly. I'm not suggesting I've not got facts. I have put two stone on, but that's, you know. I can relate. <laughs> but it's given us a focus. It's given us something to concentrate on. So for for me, it's made lockdown perhaps one of the, the best periods of, of my adult life in terms of things to do. Yeah. Well, we've had that extra communication line open because we've been doing the podcast and recording the podcast together. We've been interviewing loads of other people. We've had so yeah. many authors on since we've started. So we've met loads of people online, yeah. virtually, that we wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah. So we've probably met more people during lockdown than we would have done had we still been at work and just following our day-to-day routine. Yes, I think we have. been a bit of a blessing, really, hasn't it? I can't, I can't wait for next week. I can't wait for the review. And weird people that grow illegal substances and live in little panic rooms. 
Okay then, everybody, we will uh, we'll catch up with you again next week. If you've read a book by an indie author that you've really enjoyed, email the title across to us at contactus at barebooks.co.uk. And if we read it, we will discuss it on the podcast. Excellent. If you happen to be an indie author and would like us to add your book to our reading list, maybe even come and talk about it on the podcast, send your suggestions to submissions at barebooks.co.uk. And if you fancy a go at writing flash fiction and want the chance to be published in our flash fiction anthology for 2021, pop onto our social media for the full list of writing prompts for this season and also the word count at Bear Books Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or at Bear Books Pod One on Twitter. Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can Instagram him at dadnap.mp3. Stay safe until next time. In case there's anyone left in the world that doesn't know, the biggest thing that we're doing this year for Bear Books is publishing our anthology of flash fiction stories. And it's to include all the stories we've read out over this season, plus a couple you haven't heard that we just couldn't bear to part with. So get writing and get involved. It's not too late. There are two more deadlines available to get your flash fiction stories into us. The writing prompt for the first one is under the bed and the deadline for that is the 21st of April and the final one for this season has no writing prompt so the world is your lobster as they say you can write it about anything you want no holes barred what can you come up with when you're only limited by your own imagination between 500 and 1000 words can't wait to see what we get sent in for these two If you are sending them in, send them to submissions at barebooks.co.uk. 28th of April is the deadline for the last flash fiction this season.